I'm William Andreessen, host of Speaking with Students, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. I am excited to be here with you all on this. Well, for me here in South Texas, it's a little uh, drizzly, rainy, dark, overcast. We've got thunder and lightning, but other than that, we are here. We're excited. As usual, it's Saturday morning, and we get to chat with some amazing educators and practitioners that are doing some amazing things in the education space. But as always, my friends, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for making my ed tech life what it is today. I am excited. Uh, thank you again for all the likes, shares, the follows. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast, for our to our YouTube channel. So make sure that you share any of these great conversations that we have. Share them with your friends. Share them with other teachers, and hopefully they can take some knowledge nuggets from them, sprinkle and and sprinkle them on to what they are already doing great. But I am excited about today because we've got a wonderful educator, we've got an author, and just in the little time that we were talking in the pre-chat, we were just so excited already. So I can tell this is going to be a great conversation. So I would love to welcome to our show today, uh, Dr. Michelle Haken, uh, who is here, and we're going to be talking about all things SEL, enhancing SEL through arts and STEAM integration. So Michelle, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. I don't want to make you feel jealous that the sun, <laughs> the sun is shining here and it's 80 degrees in Connecticut, but I, I'm so grateful to be here. I love listening to your podcast. You always have like the best educators on sharing so many great ideas and, and strategies and tools that any teacher can use. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate that. That really means a lot and it really makes my day and fills my bucket. So thank you. And I would love to welcome Tanya here, who's joining us also here from South Texas. She's only maybe about 20 minute drive from me. So we're kind of basically neighbors. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. But uh, I am excited to dive in into today's conversation. So Michelle, the way this works, again, casual conversation, we're really just, you know, going back and forth and just drawing out the best of the best out of what we're talking about today. And obviously, we definitely want to hear from you and your experience and your research and your authorship. And so I'm really excited to dive in. However, every time we start the show, I like to welcome my guests and ask them about their superhero origin story. Because as you know, every superhero has a start. And of course, every uh, guest that I have on my EdTech Life, I really look up to them as a superhero because of their practice and what they're bringing into the education space. So Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about your education journey? Sure. Um, my education journey starts, uh, I'll say, picture this, <laughs> a eight or nine-year-old girl hanging out in her basement with a ping pong table that is folded up because I used it as a chalkboard and I would have my younger sister sit down and I would play school with her. So obviously, as someone once told me, it was written in the stars that I would be a teacher. 
And I'm coming from a generation before me of teachers. My mom was a teacher and then went on to um, get another master's and she's a counselor. So I was just hugely influenced by uh, the teachers in in my life, my my mom especially, as well as all the other teachers that left a lasting imprint on me. And um, I actually started in uh, elementary education. And then when I went to college, I wanted to work with older students, middle school, high school. So I, I ended up shifting, but all throughout college was working with young people, either you know, doing different volunteer opportunities um, and um, then graduated with my uh, teaching certificate and went right into teaching and it and it was a love. I was uh, teaching in New York City right out of college. I remember a woman told me uh, right before the students came, uh, sweetie, you need to put on some heels and some makeup. <laughs> and I said, that's not me. And I really just um, had an amazing experience. And I will say one of uh, the things that has impacted me greatly as a teacher, in addition to all my mentors, is the fact that I taught in New York City. And New York City was our textbook. Um, it was There were so many resources for us. And I worked with so many different organizations. I was able to take my students to museums every month and see shows and, and explore the city. And that became our curriculum. And then uh, that spilled over into the, the teaching person and teacher life that I have now, where the world and our community is part of our curriculum. And I, and I look to that for inspiration, um, and then back it up with the theory and the practice as well. Oh my gosh, excellent. I love what you said there at the very end, you know, just really taking into account really how our landscape has changed and really diving into that and learning, you know, not just the way that we learn, but the way that others around us learn and trying to really just take all that in and, you know, make something great out of it. So I'm just really excited. Like I said, I'm pumped about today's conversation because obviously we're talking about, you know, the arts and STEAM, which I absolutely love. And of course, we're touching on SEL. So I wanted to ask about your book that is coming out, the Creative SEL so I know that this focuses on integrating design thinking, literacy, STEAM, you know, to drive SEL skills. So I want to ask you, how exactly do these elements work together to enhance that social emotional learning? So uh, I'm an English teacher by I'll say trade. So art is so beautifully blended with um, with English, you know, we pair the visual text, whether we're looking at paintings or movies and now podcasts, um, where students are creating stories and poetry, and then you enhance that with the visual as well. My co-author, Mark Gura, he is of the art background. So, you know, we've had a friendship for more than 10 years, and he's really been a mentor to me as well. You know, he is somebody who dabbles in art and steam a lot. Of, he does a lot of robotics as well. And the more that we are always talking and talking, about literacy, 
I see it as, you know, literacy is those foundational skills of reading, writing, speaking, critical thinking, listening. We need that in all of our subject areas. And then because we live in such a visually and audio saturated digital world, that those are just additional elements to, to add to that. So when I'm teaching, um, you know, I'm teaching graphic novels. I'm not only like giving my students graphic novels to read about the stories and understand the plot elements. I want them to read the pictures more closely and deeply. And, and then, you know, something that I did with them this year is I had them create their own like little anatomy of a scene, like the New York Times uh, series where they deconstruct like what's going on in a passage of the graphic novel. And I've taught them different types of shots. They know what's a close up. They know when to like the, the use of colors and the psychology of colors. These are all different elements that we're bringing in to create. We also know that art is a, is a great outlet for our students in, in writing and drawing and creating their own movies. So that's really, uh, important. So I, I see it all, all encompassing for teaching the whole student. So we're not just content area teachers anymore. We are teachers teaching a whole human being and need to not compartmentalize our disciplines, but look at it holistically and how we can work together or collaboratively when we can to really support our students. Oh, I love that. There's so much to unpack there that I really want to hit because, you know, you really, everything that you said just really resonates with me and through my experience that I had the last couple of years in the classroom before I transitioned into this new role. And really, like you mentioned, a couple of things there that I like is you know, kind of just really guiding your students and maybe just going sprinkling on that little extra excitement, you know, into that lesson. Oftentimes what happens is it's a lot of sit and get, you know, and, and I understand that many times and I don't, I, you know, I think in many times that we say we understand it, we're not really doing anything about it, but it's, you know, a lot of it is just the curriculum that they're like, I got to be here at this time and I got to finish this by this time because of state testing. And sometimes, you know, we miss out on a lot of great opportunities that can enrich the learning that has taken place. But also what I learned too is just how to bundle multiple standards within that particular lesson. So I'm still covering what I need to cover. So I love a lot of that other integration as far as the arts is concerned and video and multiple ways of showing the learning. But one of the things that you mentioned too is just, you know, we talk about that collaboration, communication, and a couple of discussions that I have with uh, one of my friends who's a content specialist is that there isn't enough collaboration or communication discourse going on within classrooms. It's just like, here's a worksheet or here's your Chromebook assignment. You finish it and you're done, but there's no back and forth sharing ideas. The why is it's this way? What did you learn about this? Or I didn't understand that, but let's talk about this together. And that I think there would be so it's just so great if we can integrate that a little bit more with those communication skills. So that's a, number two. And number three is, yes, like I feel that we're still being very siloed as educators yeah. 
and we're not finding that connection between, uh, I often use this, this uh, experience that I had as a former science teacher in the classroom that my other uh, co-teacher would teach math. So then when we did math and science, they're like, I don't understand this. And I said, well, it's math, you know, we, you're just covering this, but it just looks different because now it's with science words and science word problems, but it, it was like, there was a disconnect. And so students see every subject as its own entity rather than, you know, in a holistic way where all of this is tied together. So in, in unpacking that a little bit, what are some ways that as educators, you know, we can, make or well, actually for ourselves be able to see that all subjects can tie together and help students see that as well. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and this is a message to the principals <laughs> and the administrators. Um, I, in my middle school, we follow a team model. So my social studies, science, math teacher, the four of us, we all see the same students. And we also are given time, uh, a one common, we have a few common periods, but when we like look at all four of our schedules, there is one common period where we meet weekly to talk about the students that need, like have academic concerns or support, social emotional concerns, behavior concerns, but that's also an opportunity for that cross-curricular like conversation. And, you know, I'll say that in the past, like eight years, uh, the English department and the social studies department, we've worked very closely to like make sure our books sort of follow that eighth grade, like New York state curriculum. So my students are like learning reconstruction. We're reading memoirs with social justice from um, different figures during that time. When I'm doing dystopia, my students are learning westward in expansion and imperialism. We do World War II together. So we're sort of like always, my social studies and teacher and I are always talking about what are you doing? How can we pair it together? We actually did do a huge a dystopian imperialism uh, project together. In the past, I've done World War II projects together. Um, we also want to be on the same page in terms of teaching writing to our students so that we're using the same academic language. Um, with my science teacher, we've been talking about doing like an environmental science fiction piece. Um, so that's always working, um, working with her together on that. Or, you know, when I do investigative journalism, it takes on a science element. So we talk about science and what they're studying in physical and earth science. So I think like finding the time, I'll say, I'll back it up first. If you don't have like a team model, who are the teachers that you connect with that you can build a relationship professionally as well as socially to help support your students academically? Administrators providing that time, that space, not taking the entire department meeting or faculty meeting time to tell you what we need to know that like the jokes on Instagram and social media are, it could have been sent in an email. 
but use that time for that collaboration and that like cross-curricular units of study. And I'm just talking about like the specific, you know, those four like core academics, but then you have so many amazing encore classes, like your arts, your world languages. I teach a media literacy class. So um, like I do a lot of media stuff with that. Um, having that conversation or and and for people to go around and share what they're working on or how they can collaborate that's that's really the key trusting teachers to talk <laughs> during specific times and and also providing them with resources or models or mentors like check out this project i saw or you know i saw this um and I was really inspired by this. I think we should collaborate and do something like that, whether it's stop motion animation in your biology class, whether it's a cross-curricular integrated unit between English and social studies, or, you know, even I, my planning time is the same as some of my world language teachers. So we're sitting together in the faculty room on our desktops and we're like comparing notes and what do you call this? And are, how are you studying? How have they learned about this grammar piece? So um, th th those are key elements. So, you know, it all stems back to like the integrated thematic instruction from the 90s. And that's a part of how I was trained, that brain compatible and then integrated uh, across curriculum. Oh, I love that, so you know, and and everything like that, you know, I wish that there would be more of that integration. At least through my experience, we got to experience a little bit of that, but just because I was just kind of trying to push and be like, hey, how are you doing this? And, you know, and trying to connect those lessons. And, you know, it was very successful and I loved it, you know, but we barely, barely were scratching the surface. But, you know, the kiddos were definitely excited and, uh, you know, the the learning and, and seeing that connection. And I feel that that's so important. And I kind of wanted to bring up an interview that I did probably like a year ago or a little bit over a year ago with, uh, you know, during pandemic, they had uh, Morehouse College, they started doing, you know, all their courses online or actually through the metaverse with the goggles. But one thing that I love when I got to interview the faculty there, the ones that were doing everything through, um, you know, Victory XR and putting the goggles on is the fact that you had, you know, fine arts or language arts, uh, you know, coming into a science class and they're seeing the students are seeing those connections. They're no longer siloed. You had history coming into science and history coming in into the arts. And it was just great to see that. So what you're describing to me is something very similar, but it could be so powerful if you have obviously the 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 teachers are open to that, but also, you know, it's a culture that you kind of need to grow and you need to definitely, uh, you know, learn a little bit more from and just really have a great team around you to be able to do those things. But I absolutely love that. So now I wanted to ask you too, as far as, um, you know, the research behind integrating SEL and creativity, how exactly or what have you found that, you know, helps support student mental health and that critical uh, skills development in integrating uh, SEL and the arts? So with, you know, when 
our our I'll say our background with in in putting together this book was really about looking at the Castle Five and and how they break down uh, social emotional learning and it's not just like relationship skills or it like it it's broken down into smaller pieces and what are those pieces that we're already using and doing to help us to you know deal with stress to build relationships to be more metacognitive with our thinking you know it's not about just like throwing out a project and saying i want you to create this like that's not um that that i mean some people like that and work well with that but what happens when we back up and we sort of take a more metacognitive process to it to talk about what do i need to create this what is the process that i'm going about in creating this and then once the and once you have your your creation or your prototype depending on what you are building or creating you know stepping back getting feedback taking in your own feedback of what works and what doesn't work and then having that opportunity to edit and revise and then push it out into the world again you know when we talk about creativity yes we think about like art and movies and podcasts but you know creativity can also be sculpture it's poetry it's writing it's storyboarding it's robotics and coding like all of this is is creativity and you know i i lean into as much as i lean into the standards i also lean in uh, for like the for our next generation standards i also lean into the isti uh, standards for technology and that creative communicator one is always at the top of my list what are my students creating so okay in english we write an essay but they're also creating and writing a lot of other different genres and and exploring and adding visual elements to it or maybe movement pieces to it or photography these are all uh, elements that we can harness in any of our classrooms and then it's like i said before not just about sending off students and like here's your choice board pick a project do the project turn it in but really like stepping back using some metacognitive and executive functioning thinking to harness that social emotional intelligence as well i love that i love that exactly what you're saying and you know that's so important and you know, just breaking all of those things down. And right now, what I want to touch on, though, you mentioned the ISTE standards. And that's actually a question that I had for you as well, because I know that you, uh, the book is coming out soon. And I know it's coming out being published by ISTE. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. So I wanted to ask you then, you know, as far as the ISTE standards, and of course, you know, the standards of creative communicator, we've got innovative designer, knowledge constructor, how do those align with SEL? And how does that contribute to the students overall development? It depends on the standard, but it's again, the whole person 21st century skills, you know, we want our students to be able to, I'm going to say it again, read, write, speak, think, listen, uh, but we also need them to read and write uh, critically and closely 
all different texts. Can they read a print text, a digital text, a video text, or listen to a podcast and gain those key ideas out of it? Um, when they are interacting online, are they practicing the habits of uh, what, digital citizens uh, in positive ways? Are they, you know, when we're innovative designers, where that's our creativity piece. If we're asking them to create something, you know, as innovative designers, they're picking the medium, they're selecting the message. How are they able to, you know, effectively tell the story that they're trying to with whatever their creation or their model prototype is, you know? These are the skills that students need both in school now and outside of school as well. Like think about all your, your podcasters, your um, edu influencers. They're all these amazing creative communicators. And, and we want to bolster those in our classroom so students can, can be successful wherever they go and have those same skills. Oh, I love that. You know, and those you made so many great connections. And again, just so reminiscent of of classroom, the time that I had in classroom. And, you know, and we were talking a little bit about this earlier. You know, you mentioned right now one thing that I love that I always highlight, you know, not just, uh, you know, with you, but any guest that comes in and always talks about giving students the opportunity to present their learning in a way that maybe they're passionate about or in a way that they understand and they can convey their learning. You know, when I got into elementary, I think that's really where I honed in a lot of skills and working with fifth and sixth graders to me was just wonderful and being able to try things out and do things that are new, but allowing them to build up these skills through the use of tech integration. But what I loved about it that you mentioned is, you know, and we were talking about it pre-chat, many times when you give the students the choice of how they want to present their learning, sometimes they can just blow you away with something that you had no idea that they were able to, well, number one, that they were able to do or produce, but then you see that they really have an understanding of that concept. And many times I think as teachers, we don't give our students enough credit that they, number one, that they can do uh, the tech, you know, and so just with the little that you would teach them, whether it's for slides, pre slide presentation, or using screencasting, um, you know, or even creating a, a you know a presentation of being speaking up front, things of that sort. That helped me number one understand the learnings of the students' thought process, you know, very well because I can't have a conversation with all twenty-seven all at once and really dive in deep during a class setting. But in what they're turning into me. I get to see, number one, what they're passionate about, what they feel comfortable with, but also the way that they share their learning. It really allows me to, uh, you know, upsell, you know, so if there's a misconception and talking a little bit about my marketing background in the pre-chat, there's a little misconception, a little tweak that I have to do what, in viewing their learning artifact that they submitted to me. I'm able to just really see where they're coming from and just say, okay, either do a general for the whole class, if that's a misconception, but, or if it's just for one or two or three students, and we just have a little five minute conversation and then they're 
we're good. We're solid. We continue. We do the learning. But what I love is that they build up those skills of number one, working independently if they if they choose to, but then working collaboratively because yeah. they had to do a lot of collaboration where it's like, here's four of you. You have to decide who your team captain is. You have to decide who's going to do this and so on. And those kind of exercises really helped so much that you know, I got a nice message from a student who uh, who is at uh, GIT, Georgia Institute of Technology. And she's like, I want to thank you because in sixth grade, you told me to go into technology that I should because I'm good at it. And now she's at GIT. And I'm like, because we had those kind of learning experiences awesome. in the class. So, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I love that it builds student confidence. I love that SEL component where, you know, the communication, you're you're making new friends. And I think one thing that I love the most that I want to highlight is oftentimes a lot of my students found out that they had more in common with students that they normally would not hang around with than they thought. And then later on, it was like, hey, you know, they become the best of friends. And that's all it took within that learning process. So in that SEL, in that like whole student process, you have the process, you have the product. And then for me, an important element that also brings in that social emotional learning uh, piece of like knowing yourself and, and being able to articulate about yourself is the reflection and like always providing some sort of reflection at the end of a project, at the end of a long process to say, you know, what worked well, what didn't work well. And that might be as simple as like, you know, three things that your takeaways are to more of a Google form um, with a big project my students did that was like a choice board and it was a menu and they had to do a few things to add up to a certain amount of points. You know, one of the questions I asked on the Google form reflection was how I, it was a scale question. So it was like, how did this project go for you? Was it easy peasy? Or did you feel like Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the mountain every day? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just interesting to see where people would put themselves on the scale. And then you might ask, like, if they did work with a person, how was working with that person? You know, and keeping that information, like letting them know, like, I'm not sharing this with anybody, but this is, and you're not being graded on this reflection, but this helps me to learn more about your takeaways in addition to just like the content you shared. Awesome. And that's all right. It. No, definitely. So kind of going along that line, you know, we talked a little bit in the pre-chat too, you know, oftentimes, you know, people will bring out a book and then as teachers, we may read it or something. And then it's like, oh, it just feels like, you know, something else is being added on and so on. But we talked about how really it's things that we are already doing as teachers during our daily practice. And all we're doing is like, I always like to say, just sprinkling on a little bit of magic to what you are already doing great. So my next question to you is, you know, so you've given us some of your experience and and what you've seen, and of course, through the research, but now as far as, you know, your practice, how do you maybe giving us an example of a lesson or an activity that you would do where you integrate some of these, you know, arts or uh, STEAM, uh, you know, concepts within your lesson. And again, 
like you're sprinkling them on into your lesson. What what would be some examples for a teacher to just be put at ease and say, hey, no, I already do that. And so all I'm doing is just this little component. What are your, what are your uh, thoughts there? So if it's a collaborative work, if it's working with a group, whether it's a group they chose or, you know, I know sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'm, we're going to pick your people. So um, really having those conversations about what does good group work look like? What does it sound like? Putting those like I statements up for students on like chart paper or an anchor um, chart that says, you know, when they're having their book discussions or when they're creating their project together, you know, or and stopping even to say, like, I really love the way that Lexi and Aiden and Ronia and Miu's group is working because I overheard right at the end of the lesson when you bring everybody back together. So just being very uh, intent on what we're focusing on, what we're aiming for is, is a big element. And then also when it comes to like a multi-step project, because those are really hard for all students. Like if you're having, and it needs to have multiple components, you know, I'm more of the UDL background where like, if you, if every, here's a graphic organizer, if this helps you use it, here's the grading rubric, here's the checklist. Sometimes we're building the rubric together, but like even again, having those conversations before or after work of like what worked well for you today, or what are you going to work on today? Like this project, when we break it down, here are the five different steps that you need to do. What are you going to do first? And why are you approaching it that way? And it, again, that could be a whole class discussion. It could be turn and talk to the people that you're sitting with to help us like talk through these moves that we're making. Because as we said earlier, you know, a lot of times we're just doing it and we're just, but we're not like stopping to think and be like, oh, wow, that's really what we're talking about here. Or like providing that reflection and asking. These are all just, again, ways to help build students' social emotional intelligence so that they're able to effectively communicate with others with us as their teachers and their facilitators and their coaches of like, this is how I learn best. That's what I want my students to be able to do when they go to high school is to say, I know this is the best note-taking strategy for me. Or when you provide, if I've, or like you've provided me with graphic organizers, now I think I can make my own. Like these are just little academic moves to help us through the projects and the lessons that we're doing with our students. Yeah. You know, and everything that you said there is, it's things that we already do. And I know, and again, just speaking from my experience, really is just setting that tone at the very beginning of the year, you know, and really building that relationships and just really doing the expectations. I was one of those teachers that I didn't start teaching day one. You know, there's teachers that immediately day one, they start teaching. I would wait the whole week and I really wanted to get to know my students. And I said, by week's end, I'm going to memorize your, well, not memorize. I'm going to learn your names. I'm going to learn all the pronunciations. I'm going to learn what, maybe if you have a nickname, whatever you want to be called. But then, you know, building that community, you know, because they may know themselves from prior years, but I'm just getting to know them. So they're brand new. They're a brand new family for me. 
And one thing that I, I uh, experienced just in that taking that time, oftentimes teachers would say, oh, you're falling behind. We're already over here. We're a week. We're two weeks. We're... But going back to what we talked a little bit about pre-chat and even here that I mentioned was the ability that I already the students already knew what the expectations were. And then, of course, building in those reflective pieces. Then as we go through our lessons, being able to bundle some standards I was, you know, I would catch up and then sometimes I would even get ahead of my colleagues because I was able to do that because of we already had those norms established. And I absolutely loved all those activities that you mentioned. I was like, man, if I would have thought about that, too. So I learned some new things today, too, for you as well, that I'm hoping that our audience members that are listening and uh, are going to catch this can definitely implement into their current practice, because really, it just feels like a sprinkle of awesomeness to what they are already doing great. <laughs> yes. And, and what you talked about in terms of building that community, that is so important. That's something that I'm always working on. So whether it's like little STEM challenges, the first month of school to get to know who my students are, or it is about um, like seeing how they work together in yes. groups or putting them together in teams. Um, again, giving them a little like no stakes pre-assessment to say like, okay, this is for me. You're not, it's not being graded. It helps me to know where I need to go moving forward. Like those little things are so important because then you do have that community. You do have the trust with your students. Excellent. All right. Well, I mean, Michelle, this has been just an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you being here, just your enthusiasm and the knowledge that you shared. But before we go, I, you know, I want to know a little bit more about your book. So tell us when it is that we can actually get our hands on your book. And so uh, when it will it be released and where can we find it? So give us some details on that. Sure. Um, I think it actually has already been released. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you can get a copy of Creative SEL using hands-on projects to boost social emotional learning. Uh, you could get a copy on Amazon. You can go to isti.org and through their bookstore um, is another way. You can connect with me on social media at Teaching Factor. Um, and I have a link on my blog as well. I think I do. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and, but anywhere where their books are, are sold online or in person, you can get your copy today. And it's, you know, Mark and I put this together and it's a lot of activities that we do and we thought about to inspire our students. But the other thing about it is that we also asked a lot of our colleagues who are artists and teachers to help help them to also add um, projects and ideas. So there is a total of 32 projects throughout the book. And we talk about, you know, yes, in the beginning parts, we give a little more of the theory and the practice behind what we're doing and, and how we approach this, especially after the uh, after COVID. Um, and then we connect it with the standards, we provide follow up and more tech technology like enhancements. So whether you want to do low tech or high tech, that's really up to you. We give you a lot of adaptations with um, each of the projects that we share. 
Absolutely. No, and I love that. And it, you know, it this is great. So let me go ahead and put this on the, the screen again. Here we go. So this is the website, guys. So the teaching factor. All right. I have put the link into the chat. And of course, that will all be in the show notes. And here is the book, Creative SEL using hands-on projects to boost social emotional learning. And it gives a description. All right. And so I'm definitely excited to get this book. I know I think I already got a notification that it might might or should already be on its way from ISTE. So yeah. I do want to thank you for that, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And Absolutely. most importantly, too, like I really appreciate the work that you're doing, the energy that you have. All your shares today are just golden nuggets of knowledge. Again, to just go back and sprinkle onto what you are already doing great. So thank you so much for connecting with us and being here um, this morning. But before we go, this is uh, Josh's... Uh, favorite segment here. And I want to thank Josh Tovar, who's an amazing administrator, uh, who's joining us here today. And we thank you, Mel, also for joining, Tanya for joining as well. Thank you all for uh, all of that. And here we go. So question number one, Michelle, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? <laughs> If my principal is not listening, <laughs> I'm going to say um, kryptonite is my department meetings. Faculty meetings are a little better, but definitely my department meetings <laughs> are uh, a time suck. And, and sometimes parents who are denying their their children's actions, that, that can definitely be a kryptonite for me. <laughs> All right. Good answer. That's good answer. That's the hard truth. <laughs> That's the way it goes. And I'm sure you're not the only educator that may feel that way at all. All right. Here we go. Question number two. Ready. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Okay. So my sort of tagline, I have like two taglines that are like my like mottos and follow throughs. One is learn something new every day. So that's just, you know, one thing I think is like part of being a teacher is that you are just constantly curious and a sponge, like looking and, and everything is like new and exciting and seeking out more to explore and learn about. Uh, my second billboard, if I'm gifted to, or maybe we split it in mm -hmm. half, would be say yes to everything. And that's like a motto I learned about 20 years ago. And I just sort of, even if it sounds crazy, I am like, yeah, I'll do it <laughs> because you don't know what doors are going to open for you and, you know, what that will lead to, you know, uh, it, for me in terms of publishing, it started with, you know, getting involved in ISTE, joining the PLNs and really like expanding when I felt I was looking for more, I was looking to learn more as a teacher in education to support myself and to support my students. And, you know, I saw somebody on a thread who was looking for uh, chapters to contribute to a book that happened to be Mark, who I co-authored this book with. Um, and I was like, yes, I'll do it. And, and from there, it just opened up so many more doors and connections that that's the one of the best things that like energizes me in, in my profession. 
when I, when I'm looking for energy or I need that little, like I'll say like cupcake or a piece of chocolate to enhance my day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We'll definitely do that. We, we can do, uh, I know here, I don't know how common it is there, but here sometimes we have those billboards that follow each other. So we can do that where we we will have the first billboard and then, you know, maybe a mile down or something, we'll have that next billboard too. So absolutely. Or it could be a digital billboard. That's like leading multiple sayings. We could go with that. Perfect. That works too as well. Excellent. All right. Last question. And here's Josh. This is, this is what Josh says, ask him a good one. So this is the question that I, I haven't asked in a while for, you know, in a couple of shows, but I'm going to go back to it today just because Josh asked for it. And so this is the last question I normally end with. And I say, okay, if this was the Michelle Haken podcast and I was your guest, what might be one question you'd like to ask me? Oh, I, well, stemming from our whole pre-chat about like marketing, I would want to know what are your top three marketing strategies for successful uh, classroom content? Ooh, okay, excellent. So yes, absolutely. (laughs) Going from marketing into the classroom without any classroom experience and going through alternative certification. So yes, okay. Number one is always going to be know your customer. (laughs) So you have to, and that's why, like I mentioned, you know, usually I never started instruction even the first week because I needed to know who my students were. And the reason I needed to know who my students were is just because I needed to know what their likes are, dislikes are, and of course the groups that they hang around with, what are their favorite activities and so on, because that gave me an idea of how they were personally, what state they were in as far as when they would come in. And then I had something to ask about and to just build that rapport with them. So if they were having a bad day, I knew what it is that they liked, they didn't like, and then we can go ahead and just talk about those things, just get them set up for the day. So that's number one, knowing your customer. Number two also is learning how to upsell to your customer. So in this case, I was uh, teaching algebra. And as we know, not everybody learns algebra or not everybody learns in the exact same way. So I had to learn how to upsell my clients and teach them exactly the way that they needed to be taught, which again, it it sounds like a lot of hard work, but it really wasn't once you've established number one, because you already have that rapport. So then number two becomes a lot easier. And then number three, it's just really building lifelong partnerships or relationships. So those are my top three. As I mentioned, you know, during the show, this particular student that I taught uh, about seven years ago, she's now at GIT and she's uh, doing data science and a data science analyst. And she reached out and said, this is because you inspired me to go into tech. And so it just, to me, those would be those top three things. And one thing that I will throw out there in recommending any teacher prep programs is have a marketing course for your teachers because that can definitely help when they get into the classroom. So true. So So, true. (laughs) 
So yeah. So there you go. So he's like, oh, you changed it on me, funds. I don't do good with change, bro. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that's the question that I wanted to ask. But Michelle, it's just been an honor and a pleasure to have oh, you. Thank same. you again for this amazing conversation. Very inspirational. And, uh, you know, I want to thank also our audience members like Josh was here. Mel was here. Thank you guys. Uh, Tanya, also thank you guys for the birthday wishes. I really appreciate you. So, Michelle, just in case you didn't know, thank you. Yes. So, you are on my birthday show. So, this is great. So I'm just excited because I couldn't think of a better way, number one, to start my birthday than when I meet with, than with an amazing conversation with a wonderful, energetic, passionate educator like yourself talking about stuff that we love and just bringing it out to the education space. So thank you, Michelle, for making thank this day you. already wonderful. So I appreciate you. And for all our audience members as well, thank you so much, as always, for making my EdTech life what it is today. Please make sure that you visit our website at myedtech.life myedtech.life, where you can check out this amazing episode and the other 202 amazing episodes with wonderful educators and creators that you can go ahead and take some knowledge nuggets from, sprinkle them on to what you are already doing great. We really appreciate you. Please make sure that you give us that thumbs up. You subscribe to all our social media. Follow us on all social media at My EdTech Life. And of course, make sure that you continue to share this podcast with all of your educator friends. So as well, we can be connected and just continue to bring wonderful conversations to our educators out here in the education landscape to keep them inspired, giving them some, you know, just some other tools that they can add to their tool belt. So thank you as always. And if you want to contribute to our mission of connecting educators and, and uh, creators one show at a time, please visit our store there on our website. You can check out some merch. We've got some great caps, shirts, you know, anything that you, you know, can think of is probably there. So now that we're getting ready for conference season, you've got a nice shirt or a nice cap that you can have. And of course, all of that goes back into our show so we can bring you some amazing conversations. So thank you, as always, for all of your support. And my friends, don't forget, as always, until next time, stay techie. <laughs>